Good morning, Springbrook. My name is Kurt Stokes, and I serve on the Springbrook eBoard and the Financial Board. Um, today's scripture reading is from Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent, people home, sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when, the, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, Daniel and I went to a dinner party uh, with some friends of ours. And before it started, uh, the host of the party, they asked us to do something uh, a little, or I'd never been to a party where a host asked us to do this before. Um, and I love this idea. So feel free to steal it for your next dinner party or whatever kind of party, whenever dinner parties and parties are possible again. Um, but I think they read it in a Brene Brown book or, or, or heard Brene Brown talking about it. Um, but this was the idea. Uh, what they hoped for the evening is that everybody for just a few hours would get to be where they were, would get to be fully present in the moment that we were in, uh, get to be truly, truly present, that, that we could leave the baggage of our day and our week and, and our lives at the door and show up uh, in this room at this place as uh, like our true and authentic selves in a safe community of other people. And so uh, the, the way that they led us into that, the first thing they did is that they started out the evening with a moment of silence. And I don't know if you've ever been to a dinner party or any kind of party with some of your best friends and then be told that you're not allowed to talk and you have to be silent. Uh, so at first I'm like, what the heck kind of party is this? Uh, but then we did, we were silent. And the host, they said that whenever it was in the silence that we felt like we were able to be present, they wanted us to say, I'm here. So it's totally quiet. And they say, whenever you feel like you've arrived, whenever you feel like you can be in this moment, uh, look up and say, I'm here. Uh, and don't say it till you mean it, even if it takes a while. We'll wait for everybody to feel like they're present in the room. And, and so we sat for si in silence for minutes. And um, I start panicking inside because I had had a crazy day. And honestly, uh, my life at that point, I was in this really tricky season of trying to figure out um, what the future looked like and what was next for me and, and stuff like that. And Daniel and I had gotten in a huge fight in the car on the way there. And I'm not super present and I'm feeling really panicked by the silence and like trying to get present. Um, but then the first person said, I'm here. And then another and then another, and then another. And slowly, as my dear friends became present in this room, I felt like I woke up. 
uh, not only to their presence, uh, but to my own as well. And so honestly, before I was ready, but long after the last person finally said that they were there, I finally said, I'm here. I'm here. If I could go back, maybe I would have waited longer and, and been more honest in my, I'm here. But, but I think I just was so ready for the evening to start. So ready uh, to become present, uh, to, to, to get started, to become present to the presence of the people, some of the people that I love most in the world, uh, the people who, there was something in me in this moment that like woke up to this longing of wanting to be with them, to laugh and to eat and to drink and, and just to be with them. Um, I think that the story of Peter that Kurt just read to us, of uh, Peter walking on the water, um, I think that, uh, that this story is like Peter's declaration of, I'm here. I am fully present. I, I really think that this is the recorded moment of Peter being all in on the stuff of Jesus. He had said yes to following Jesus um, before all of this has ha had happened, and he had seen and done and been part of loads of different things. Uh, but in this moment, uh, arguably before he was ready also, uh, we have Peter declare his intentions of not just listening to what Jesus taught or following the places that Jesus went, but his intentions of wanting to do the things that Jesus did uh, by stepping out of the boat and walking on the water. It's, it's a big step to say, I'm here. I'm fully present. Um, I'm in. I'm ready for this to start. I'm ready to get to do all the stuff. So uh, let's go back uh, and, and, and look at the story again. The, the scripture lesson that, that Kurt just read to us, it, it starts out by saying immediately after this. And the this in that moment that is immediately after this, the this that Matthew's talking about is the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men. So right before this moment, uh, in the middle of the sea, Jesus had miraculously filled the bellies of thousands of people with five loaves and three fish. Uh, the disciples, they, they had just picked up baskets of leftovers. And then Jesus tells them to get back in the boat to cross to the other side uh, while he goes and prays alone. And I can't help but think about what the conversation must have been like in the boat. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that they were just talking about this miracle, like that buzzing energy of something absolutely amazing just happened. I, I, in my mind, they're like replaying it over and over from different perspectives. I saw this. Did you see this? The stories are getting uh, bigger and bigger. And um, in the Gospels, Jesus, he was constantly trying to train his disciples, teach his disciples that when things go crazy, uh, when there seems to be no way out of whatever uh, they are in, that he's, all, he's constantly trying to train them and teach them to look to him, to look to him for the way out. When there seems to be no practical way to love and feed thousands of people, uh, this moment is Jesus training his disciples to look to him, to, to see him as the way to filter all of the troubles and all of the problems and all of the confusions and hurts and impossibles through him, through Jesus. Jesus, he's constantly offering uh, the disciples a, uh, pictures and experiences, giving their souls rep after rep after rep at trusting the provision of the Father through the Son. And feeding tons of people on very little is no exception to this. Uh, that's the lesson. I wonder if that's part of what they're talking about in the boat. So they're out there uh, in the middle of the sea. 
telling the stories of the loaves and fish probably over and over again in new angles and then a storm comes kind of out of nowhere uh notoriously the sea of galilee is known for storms just popping up out of nowhere and, and that's what happens and and then the disciples they do what they do so often and they get scared and and they freak out and, and they forget the very thing that they're just talking about or had just lived it's so weirdly comforting to me because I forget so often too. Life gets crazy and I get crazy and I forget. I forget where to turn in the madness. I forget the steady in the storm. I, I, it's like uh, last week when we talked about Elijah, I forget that life isn't meant to be lived in the cave, hiding from the madness of the outdoors. Uh, life is outside of the cave, trusting in the presence of the God who says he is with me. And so that's where they are in the middle of their trouble. The storm comes, they're afraid. And then Jesus, he comes walking out on the water. And I want to unpack this just a little bit. Um, in, a, in, the first, in a first century Hebrew imagination, uh, the sea is something terrifying. It's a symbol um, of chaos, a symbol of something absolutely uncontrollable, unable to be tamed. Uh, at the very beginning of the scriptures, in the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1, the story begins with the Spirit of God hovering over the dark waters of chaos. And then the story, the story of creation unfolds as God tames the waters, bringing order to the chaos and creation to the emptiness. I heard a pastor this week say uh, that in the beginning, God conquered the waters, making way for creation. And here, in this store, we have a picture of Jesus in a similar place, walking on the water, conquering their chaos, the terrifying that was in the storm. And so when we look at the reaction of the disciples, it's almost hilarious like, sure, they are in trouble. The, Matthew tells us they're far from land, caught in the middle of the sea, caught in the middle of a storm. Uh, they've also spent all of their time with Jesus being taught and trained to trust the idea that he is the calm in the storm, the hope of the world. The storm, it brings chaos. And then the calm comes walking toward them. The very hope that they, that they claim to believe in comes walking toward them. And two things strike me so much in this moment. Here they are. The, the two things are uh, they don't recognize him and they're terrified of him. They don't recognize him and they're terrified of him. On the heels of a lesson all about the providence of God, they miss the very providence of God coming right toward them and they think he's a ghost. That hits so close to home to me. So often I have what I think is a really clear idea or desire of how I, how, how I want something to play out or how I want a problem to be solved. And I'll pray and pray and pray. And when Jesus comes, how often my response has been the same as the disciples, how often I have found the presence of Jesus, the way of Jesus to be completely unrecognizable or absolutely terrifying. So different than I originally thought or believed or maybe hoped that I miss the hope of the world showing up in the middle of my storm. And that's where the disciples are. But then Jesus, he speaks and he says, don't be afraid. I'm here. Don't be afraid. I'm here. And then Peter, he says, okay, then tell me to come out there. If it's you, tell me to come out there. 
Peter essentially replies to the I'm here of Jesus with I'm here. This makes me think of getting present at the dinner party. Uh, I think Peter is saying, I'm here. I'm present. I'm waking up to your presence in my life. And in this world, I want to be present with you. It's a huge risk asking Jesus to dare him to walk on the water. If you read any theologian on this or, or listen to any other sermons on this, uh, pretty much everybody comes to the same co conclusion. Uh, Peter's risky. He takes a huge risk here. He steps out on the waves and he annies up. He uh, risks because he gets the lesson that when things go wild and dark and gloomy, trusting Jesus means turning our attention toward him. It means uh, waking up in new ways to who he is and to what he does. Turning toward him and, and walking in his footsteps, the, the footsteps of the one who conquers the dark, conquers the whirlwind, conquers the madness. It's what God was asking Elijah to do that we talked about last week. Come out of your cave and wake up to my presence in the middle of all that is falling apart in your own life. And so Peter, he says, uh, I'm in. He looks to Jesus who conquers the darkness and he takes a step out of the boat a step toward conquering his own doubt and his own fear and his own disbelief. And it works. It works. And then it doesn't. And then it stops working. Matthew tells us he walks and then he catches sight of the storm again and he starts to sink. And he cries out to Jesus, save me, save me. And then Jesus, he shames him and he holds his head under the water until he really gets the lesson. Just kidding. Uh, he says, save me. And Jesus, he, he picks him up out of the water. Uh, don't miss that part. Peter, he gets distracted. He, he looks back on the storm. He starts to sink. He cries out, save me. And Jesus' response is to pick him up out of of the water. He doesn't let him drown. He rescues. Jesus is always the rescue. He reminds Peter uh, where his eyes belong in the middle of a risk. He reminds Peter of the lesson of trust and providence, and then together they get in the boat. Uh, last week, I wondered if a lot of us were feeling like Elijah. If we were feeling like Elijah sitting in a cave uh, while the whirlwind spiraled all around us, waiting for the presence of God, afraid to come out, hiding from the scary. And today I feel like Peter has something uh, he's like calling out to us in the cave. Uh, John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Church, he said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I hate that quote. Um, I think it's true and it makes me uncomfortable and that makes me hate it. But, but this is what he says, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Like Peter, walking on the sea, faith and risk often go hand in hand. Faith requires something from us. It, it calls something out in us. It wakes us up to something uh, bigger than we've known before. Learning to trust Jesus means risking, uh, believing that he is who he says he is. It means remembering how it feels to step out of the boat and then sink and know that we will be lifted back up again. So um, as your pastor who loves you deeply, it's time to start risking again. It's time to start risking again. It's time to risk getting out of the cave or the boat or wherever you find yourself hiding and afraid or maybe just unsure of what the next move is. It's, 
It's time to start um, risking uh, waking up to what it might look like to keep your eyes on Jesus, who is bigger uh, than whatever story feels most true to you right now. I'm not saying uh, risk like stop wearing a mask in public. That's not the risk we're talking about. I want to be really clear about that. Wear your mask. Uh, that's not it. I I'm talking about faith risks. I'm saying it's time to take risks in our faith, to risk joining God in the renewal of all things. This is a crucial season in our lives. The world, the world, it needs a church that's willing to risk in the name of Jesus. It needs a church willing to risk in the name of Jesus, uh, uh, risk ra for racial healing in the name of social healing, in the name of physical healing, all in the name of Jesus. It's time for us to deal with the parts of ourselves that, that have stopped recognizing Jesus or the parts of ourselves that are terrified of what seeing him might mean for us. It's time for us to risk trusting Jesus. Not the Jesus that the world tries to tell us about that um, is only a member of one political party or, or only says this or only does this. The, the Jesus of the Bible, the friend of sinners, the, the healer of people and hope, the Jesus who puts things back together. It's time for us to risk trusting Jesus and to take creative risks of faith because we do. So for our Selah today, uh, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over us. Um, a prayer blessing to, to get out of the cave, to get out of the boat, to risk something in the name of Jesus, in the name of faith. So um, I'm going to be quiet, like really quiet, just for a moment. Um, and, and then I want to pray for you. And so sometimes what we do when we're in person and, and we want to connect our bodies with what's happening is if it is, we just like hold out our hands. It's like a, I don't know when someone's offering you a present and you're holding out your hands to receive it. And so, um, maybe try that maybe for a moment, sit quietly with your hands open, connect your body to what's happening. Um, if you think it's weird, you don't have to, but, uh, connect your body to what's happening and, and, and then I'll, I'll pray for us. So. So, may you wake up to Jesus who walks toward all of your dark and chaotic and scary. May the parts of you that are afraid of what he might do or say or ask of you be filled with the courage of the Spirit. May you recognize when the calm comes walking right up in the middle of your storm. May you be filled with the creativity to seek after risks in the name of faith. May you be filled with the wisdom and courage and kindness to risk climbing out of the cave or stepping out of the boat. And may the God of all hope fill you with joy and with peace as you learn to trust him so that you will be filled to the point of overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.